0: McHale gets a good ball in. Noel Dawson is waiting inside. Will he field it? Noel Dawson has it. Noel Dawson lays it off to Larry. Larry's going to go. Oh, the green and red Mayo.
1: A litany of Rose Defeat snatch from the jaws of victory. Close calls. The story of Mayo football has been written on the script of hurt.
2: But a great never say die attitude. They've got three goals back.
1: I came 3,000 miles
3: for this game, in New York. I was worth every penny and every mile. And Mayo are going to be back
4: next year. And we're going to be better.
1: Every year since 1951, Mayo fans have been left holding their faces in their hands as the county's best have failed to cross the winning line yet again. This year, the Green and Red Army began the championship adventure again, filled with new hope, guided by the irrepressible John O'Malley.
5: This is a typical Thursday evening. I'm just leaving Doolyerd and uh, have been here since um, Tuesday morning early. Uh, trained with the guys in Dublin on, on Tuesday night and heading home to Castlebar now to to uh, to make it uh, before seven o'clock. We start at half seven, and obviously the big thing is to try and get out of the city before the traffic and uh, some one or two evenings I was caught in it and it was a, a race against time but uh, for the most part I managed to, 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 to get to get out and to get on the road and I, I try and um, get my thoughts together obviously on the road because there's lots of uh, uh, sessions I remember back in the old days of, of managing years ago before the mobile phones you actually could Spend more time thinking and your with your thoughts, but uh, for 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 now, sometimes the the phones the phones click on or whatever, and that breaks your train of thought. But I find it I, I don't mind driving at all. I find it uh, good to to be to be with oneself and their, and your thoughts. And and at, the, at this time of year, the thoughts are championship um, and the intricacies of getting guys back from injury getting everyone to the starting line fit Uh, so here here we go again for the 2009 championship I suppose it's hard to believe it's 20 years since um, I was involved in the first in my first period when we got to the All-Ireland in 89 lost out narrowly on that occasion and and we've come up played in 4 all Ireland since that 96, 97 under John Mahan. Uh, 04. And 06 under Mickey Morton And we've come up short each time. I suppose 96 was the real one that got away. But uh, I have no doubt that somewhere along the line, people say to me, will Mayo win in All-Ireland? I say, of course they will. But uh, the question is when. It never knows. Um, the phone ringing now. Um, hello, Jared. How are you? It's just um, ten to seven here now. We're just after coming into Castlebar, so I'm looking forward to the session this evening because after the long drive and we need the. I can see the. I can smell the grass cut there and and. Uh, really looking forward to it. I think things are coming together.
1: For the next two and a half hours, John makes the Mayo players toil in the evening sun. But like their county men before them, it could be that the gods have already decided their fate. Legend has it that way back in 1951, a priest placed a curse on the Mayo that's All Ireland winning team.
0: More. That's the
3: Paddy Prendergast, on, team of come on, get 50s. Come I don't know what to say about it, but it, it seems to have worked if it was. We were coming back from Dublin. This is, the, this is the story I heard anyway. We were returning from Dublin uh, after winning, I don't know, was it the 50 of, probably the 51 around? Europe must be the 51, or we wouldn't have won it if there the anything to the course. And I think it was in Foxford. We were travelling by lorry. And the reason we were travelling by lorry, I suppose, was that we came through the very small towns and Sean Flanagan, who was captain, stood up and made his speech, you know, and that. And He did the same at Foxford, saying they had a room saying, you know, the same day, the only thing warmer than a than a, a, a Foxford um, rug was a Foxford welcome. And while the, the, the story is that, that there was a, a funeral going through the town, I don't remember this, but... That there was a funeral, and that we didn't come off the truck to let the funeral pass. When the priest saw us uh, on the truck and and noticed that we weren't getting off the truck to attend the funeral, he was evidently he was very angry, and he said, "Me um, will never win Northern Ireland while any of these people live." In, and if he did he was right <laughs> because that you know, doesn't look it doesn't look very promising at the moment. I can tell you that much I have traveled for the last forty years you know to Connacht finals to Connacht semi finals, and unfortunately, most of the time I came back you know um, in despair really because uh, most of the time, we lost, unfortunately, and I always refer to that as as um, my personal Via Dolorosa, that journey, that long journey of forty years or more, you know, and no victory. It's 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 unbelievable, really, isn't it?
1: Three generations of Mayo have suffered and mourned in this unique valley of tears, but yet the dream begins anew each year with a little boy and his first football. For Sean Frayne, the captain of the Mayo Miners in 1953, the dream was no different.
6: Football was very much part of of kind of I suppose every father may be thought of the son playing for I don't know for the club or the county. But my father had been secretary of the County Handball Association. Unfortunately, he died a very young man as a result of of uh, illness that he incurred as a, by being involved in the troubles. And, uh, but uh, I actually just barely remember him. I was only four years of age when he died, but on the Christmas after he died, my mother had a football for me and it was one he had bought for me already. Uh, it was, uh, he had seen the war coming I think and footballs weren't very uh, uh, couldn't bite them very easily in Kilkelly where I was born and so he had a football for me I remember still a brown football and we pumped it up and I was out in the street kicking it on Christmas Day and so excited with it The summer of 1953, I went to the seminary in Minutes. But uh, then I went on that summer to be made captain of the Mayo Minors, and that was an extraordinary honour as well. To captain Mayo and to be number eleven to play in the footsteps of the great Pori Carney was for me another great honour. He was some, one of my boyhood heroes. So I uh, I went on from there. As I say, we won the won the Connacht kind of championship, and then we went uh, went to Crow Park. Went to play our the semi-final, and there I. Um, I uh, had had my final game because I was going to Maynooth. And, of course, going to the seminary, I knew that I wouldn't be able to play in the All-Ireland. But that seems so strange to people today. I mean, my own children, uh, my friends are constantly saying to me... uh, my gosh, what was that like? And in a strange way, it doesn't strike me as as having been the awful sacrifices might appear now. Uh, I mean, in retrospect, I'm so sad that I didn't have the opportunity to to receive the Tom Markham Cup. In fact, at the time, as I as far as I understand it, some rule was passed by the, the Irish hierarchy that priests wouldn't be allowed to play county football, and I think there were many victims of that that rule subsequently. And in fact, a few fellows did and, and had to change their names, like Peter Quinn was Peter Quinlan, for example playing for Mayo, he was a Columban priest and there were several other examples of it I, I think around the country I think McCleary as well had it was Casey or something like that playing for Dublin after his ordination so it was, it was certainly after, after ordination there was no question of you supposedly playing but this was when we were I was just a first year, just about two weeks in the seminary, of course it had a lot to do with with, you know, views of the role of the church and priesthood and so on as removing you from this world and its, its, its wiles and its evils or whatever and preserving you for this holy, holy role that you were expected to play, play in the church.
1: For 58 years, Mayo fans have been weared on a diet of defeat each remembered like beads on a rosary. The domino of loss continues unabated, as final salvation still awaits.
2: A shortish one up the middle, John Neill going across, it goes to William McGee on the left. Willie's a chance of a goal here. He shoots now and it's over the bar.
3: William McGee, male footballer of the 60s and 70s. We were professed to have had a good team uh, during that time and certainly the personnel were there all right but apparently for some reason or other I don't know what it was we hadn't the killer instinct. During the time of my my playing with Mayo uh, we certainly, we had the will to win all right but we hadn't that killer instinct built into us. Uh, I know there was a phrase that was used by different managements at the time, that when my old blood is red and my old grass is green, you know we go out there to play football. And we certainly did uh, play football to please. But we found ourselves oftentimes being kicked off the field and uh, uh, abused, something that was never driven into any of the Mayo teams that I, I ever played with.
5: After the match, supporters from both sides paid tribute to the spirit of the defeated Mayo team.
0: I think the great credit to Mayo, you know, Cork support. I think it's the grandest, cleanest team I've ever seen to
7: another Mayo team. I hope they're back again. Willie Joe Padden, Mayo footballer. You know, when I started off playing playing for Mayo, uh, you know, basically we were only training, you know, a couple of nights a week, and the training that time wasn't next or near as professional. As it is now, or, or even as some of the teams at that, in that era, the likes of Kerry and Dublin had, you know, had gone in leaps and bounds ahead of any other county because they were training four or five times a week. So basically, you know, I remember going playing an All Ireland semi final against Kerry in 1981. And, you know, Mick Dwyer was in charge of that carry team. That was probably the best carry team or the best team ever in the country. But the one incident in that game was that in the second half, obviously we didn't score in the second half. So the ball was constantly going over the bar <laughs> or in the net. But Michael Webb was in goal uh, on, on that team. And I remember him saying to me after the game, he was just wondering when he kick out the ball, would he be back in goal again <laughs> to kick it out before it has gone over the bar? <laughs> so that shows you how much pressure we were under <laughs> like these guys were training four and five nights a week like we were only training twice a week so basically we were grand up at half time but when the second half came you know obviously we started to uh, you know flag a bit and like the Kerry guys were going at the end just like they were at the start so basically I, I just think that it, it's not Maybe down to a win- at all costs or the win-at-all- cost mentality. I just think that you know, we really hadn't the, the, the groundwork done before we, before we went to, to the games, because we hadn't been, the training schedule hadn't been as you know, as, as intense and a, as it should have been. you know. will
8: go with Mayo. Do You think we'll go with Mayo? Not if they have
1: Often it seemed that Mayo's problems on the field were caused by the powers that be off the field. Decisions taken by the county board did not always seem to be in the best interests of the players. And on a rain-soaked afternoon in Castle Bar, former Mayo legend TJ Gilgalan recalls an evening in 1992 when this self-destructive streak was particularly evident. In
9: 1991, we lost the Connaught final to Roscommon after a replay. Uh, John O'Mahony had completed four years of uh, uh, in, 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 as manager at that stage. Uh, as far as I can recall, he, he, at that, up to that point, he did not have his own selectors, and he asked the county board in, in the autumn of 1991, "You know, could he nominate and use his own uh, selectors?" Uh, that wish was not granted by the county board, so it left John with no no other option but to uh, you know to step down as a manager. And that was a big disappointment to the players because a lot of the 89 team at this stage were perhaps past their peak and he had started to develop a, a new team and had brought in a number of, of, of young players. And, uh, you know, even though we were beat by Roscommon, Roscommon had a good team in the early 90s and we felt that, that there was a lot to offer in the coming years for Meoa. So a huge disappointment to the players and obviously, uh, as I said, left John with no option but to step down. So what happened after that was the county board uh, advertised the position uh, as far as I can remember there were very few people who applied for it uh, the people who did weren't deemed to be qualified enough to manage a county senior team so the county board then were left with no alternative but to put a management in place themselves which which they did and they they appointed a four man uh, management team that was uh, fronted by, by Brian MacDonald and Brian came in uh, with every good intention, uh, gave his time, gave his commitment, gave his effort, but uh, there was many sort of confrontational moments th- throughout throughout the the one year reign, and uh, different issues arose. I suppose the most uh, well documented one. Uh, we're here in Casabarrá in in Dunstore's car park, where in around February of nineteen ninety two, uh, we. Conducted a, or had a training session here under under Brian. I, I remember the evening well. Uh, I had travelled from from Sligo for training, and the weather was quite poor at the time, so it wasn't a surprise that there wasn't uh, you know outdoor playing facilities in any pitch. But when we arrived to change in the in the dressing rooms at Castlebar Mitchells, and we inquired where we were training, which was a bit surprising to hear that there was no venue or no alternative venue had been found. So the management decided. The, for us to have a run a run up, up up the main the main road and that they'd meet us up at Dunstor's car park and initially we thought it was probably a joke but we soon discovered that that, that was the case that it was going to go ahead there and what was, I suppose was, was annoying me most was the fact that there was only about 14 players present, uh, we had just returned to train after the, uh, the, uh, the Christmas break because the league that time uh, three games was played prior to Christmas and the other four games afterwards uh, personally I was Annoyed that we weren't being told where other players were. I had travelled from Sligo. Other lads had travelled from um, Galway and from Belmullet uh, But we gathered and we trained here in this car park. And at that time, there was no twenty-four hour park, and so there was plenty of ample ample space to uh, to to use the, the wide open car park here. And we did some drills and 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 so on. But uh, the end of the training session finished up with. Um, uh, a car pushing race where the four selectors sat in, sat in their their big uh, cars, Opel records and so forth, and perhaps three or four players uh, pushed each car uh, the whole into the car park. A distance probably of about 150 meters or so, and then we finished and we, and we jogged back to, to to shower in in, in Casablanca Mitchell. So, you know that I suppose that lasted in our memory and in our mind and um, we did go on to win the Kanet title that year. Um, in Castlebar, a famous game in the, in, in, in the sense that uh, the crossbar broke in that game. and Gavin went up to tie and stop a Mayo score and uh, pulled the crossbar down. At that stage, I think Roscommon might have been leading by a pint or two, but the 10 or 15 minute break seemed to do us more good than Roscommon because we went on to win the game, I think, by maybe seven or eight points. Well, there was a lot of disappointment after the, uh, the end of the campaign in, in, in 1992. Um, we, we, we felt we could have got Ireland that year. We, we didn't. The performance against Donegal, uh, the preparation, I think, going up to that game, we felt as players just wasn't good enough. And as I said, there was a lot of con- confrontational uh, situations that year. And I suppose it all came to a boil at the end of that campaign. And the players met and uh, had just had a general discussion. on it. And it was felt to a man that we, we we couldn't, as a group, continue to play under the same management and uh, so there entered a standoff between the players and the management and the county board tried to resolve it but the players were adamant that uh, you know if the management was staying on that they weren't going to play so you could say that that, that, that was an example of, play, of player power uh, we just felt there was too many incidents and issues over the past 12 months that uh, left players with no choice but, but to, to take their stance so eventually the management did step down
6: I don't want to talk About things we've gone through Though it's hurting me
1: Even by Mayo standards, 1996 was an abysmal year. Forty-five years on, from their last All-Ireland, they faced Meath with real conviction that they were about to reach the promised land. But in the very last minute, a freak score, where the ball bounced over the bar, denied the dream. Two weeks later, Mayo and his worldwide diaspora descended again on Crow Park for the replay. This was to be their day, but within minutes the dream went sour.
0: On a right contact it across the goal. John McDermott blocks it. Plenty of defenders in there. John McDermott will man the broken. They're swinging around in there now and. Uh John Casey going in and they're all at it in there now and this is absolutely disgraceful no need at all and there's practically 20 of the players there now and they're coming from all sides and the referee should take strong action now and perhaps he should dismiss one or two right away if there's to be any order for the rest of the game and they're still at it yes there are two players going off Colin Coyle is going off and Lee McHale is going off the Mayo team
1: Paddy Prendergast, one of the few survivors of Mayo's last All-Ireland win, again made the long pilgrimage to support his beloved Green and Red. But that day, the fickle hand of fate had a new twist in his catalogue of disappointment. Oh,
3: 1996. Oh, dear, sacred heart to God Almighty. I certainly wasn't impressed by the refereeing, you know, and that's for sure. In actual fact, he may be a good referee, but I wouldn't. If I met him on the street, I don't think I, I would be of the time of day. So we lost our best men, and they lost our worst men, you know. And uh, I can tell you, there was very little justice in that. And
1: uh, it was, 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 oh Jesus, it was terrible. Over the next ten years, Mayo contested bravely, reaching two more All-Ireland finals, only to lose on both occasions to the mighty Kerry. 2006 brought another shot at redemption. Billy Joe Padden, like his father before him, or the county jersey on All-Ireland Final Day?
4: Yeah, uh, 2006, I suppose it's a, it's a great occasion to play in an All-Ireland Final, I suppose it's very much a case of unfinished business for a lot of us, you know, uh, the the most disappointing thing for me personally anyway is that you, you, you uh, you did feel like you, don't, you didn't do yourself justice. I suppose people come down fairly hard on Mayo teams and say, well, you know, you don't do yourself justice in Crow Park. I think that's slightly unfair. You know, there's plenty of times when we've played excellent games in Crow Park. We beat Tyrone in 2004, we beat Dublin, you know, and beat some a lot of solid teams there. But I suppose at the end of the day, you have to, you ha- the sign of a really good side or a team that's worthy of winning All-Ireland, you have to do it consistently and you have to do it on the biggest day, which is the All-Ireland final. And unfortunately, we didn't have enough. Uh, we didn't have enough as a team on the day and didn't play, didn't didn't play well enough. You know, uh, you know, people can say there's a you know what are the reasons for that. But at the end of the day, I think the book stops with the the players themselves. You know, you you're responsible for your own performance on the day, and unfortunately, it wasn't good enough. Who's
0: the first receiver? go. Come on, it. come on, on. Next runner, next runner. Come on, go. come on. Take it now. Take it
1: down The The former Liverpool manager Bill Shankly famously said. Football is not a matter of life and death. It is much more important. As he finishes his training session in Castlebar, John O'Mahony knows more than most the distortion of that comment.
5: OK, I was happy with that session tonight. Uh, The journey I'm going on here uh, on on the way home uh, is a journey I went many, many years ago as a player um, uh, and with my... Colleagues from East Mayo on that particular occasion that I remember with not good memories is the journey that we went um, home from Castlebar one night after training uh, with
2: Ted Webb. A Mayo senior county footballer, 21 years old Ted Webb, was killed when the car he was driving was in collision with a train at a level crossing near Ballyhonas dead man was a member of the Mayo Under-21 team that won the All-Ireland title in 1974.
5: OK, we're just um, approaching uh, a bend on the road here, um, and I suppose this brings it home to me more than anything. Uh, that fatal night um, on the Kil Kelly Road, as we turned off, off towards Ahamore. Um, I'll never forget the... We were actually... Uh, I was only beginning to drive at that stage... And um the, the, we had the turn came on me more quickly than I thought, and we we actually I had to check and and uh, well, there was a period where I felt that we may go off the road, and there's just as as you can see there a soft landing in there, and maybe maybe when I think back on it, if we had actually had a an accident which that night or if we went off the road or went into the ditch, uh, Ted would be with us today. Where we are now is at the at the the place where, on the level crossing on the railway line, where Ted uh, met his 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 God. Um, and again, it's very difficult to put to put words on this because, um, for my own part, I left him at his house that night, uh, went home, went straight to bed, heard the eight o'clock news on the radio in the morning that a, a Mayo footballer had been killed in an accident. And I said to myself, "Well, it's not Ted Webb anyway, because I left him home safely last night." Uh, but the phone rang shortly afterwards, and I got the the terrible, terrible news. Um, now, for people who might know Ted Webb in 2009, he was uh, one of the brightest underage stars uh, that uh, Mayo was producing. I played with him. Uh, on the two years earlier in an All-Ireland final uh, under 21 final uh, where Ted scored according to Mihala de one of the, the greatest goals that was scored in, in Crow Park he was a strong physical player uh, I'd have known him particularly in East Mio because Balahadrin and Balihonis were at loggerheads at the, in that period uh, and there was some great battles um, and uh, uh, Ted had a didn't drink, uh, was totally dedicated to the game and was totally the type of player that Mayo needed in that period because, as we all know, the 70s uh, was a period when uh, was uh, that Mayo didn't uh, win a Connacht title and uh, I have no doubt that if Ted Webb was around uh, for the years when he should be at his peak for Mayo that uh that uh, blank decade wouldn't be as blank as, as it as history shows it now, I suppose it was it was in the seventies uh the fashion at that period was John Travolta and many people said that he had the John Travolta look uh with the the black the black hair and uh, and the smile uh except that Ted Webb did his entertaining on the football pitch uh, and i i all-stars hadn't come his way at that stage but I've no doubt that he would have been uh, in that category if uh, he had been granted a a life and a career with Mayo. Well I mean what uh, what emerged was that uh, Ted's um, uncle uh, needed a lift home when he arrived in from training and he literally um, uh, threw uh, down the the gear bag and uh, I think Ted drove a as Dad's car was a, a Peugeot 405 at the time uh, and um, his uncle's residence was the railway line had to be crossed and, and uh, uh, I suppose was, Ted was a, an excellent driver far better than me as I demonstrated on that particular night uh, but uh, uh, it was a, one of those unmanned crossings and obviously he thought that he'd Get across before the, it was an unscheduled mail train or something, uh, uh, and you know that's where he met his death. Uh, I remember the the funeral and the the, the I suppose the grief and uh, of the uh, Ted's uh, mum and dad uh, and. Any, any life and any life in an accident particularly is tragic but the life of a young person at the peak of his physical and athletic powers and to uh, be there on the, the as the as Ted's remains uh, were brought through the town of and uh, to their final resting place uh, the whole community of Mayo and indeed the GA community throughout the country uh, were with the Webb family on that on that uh, occasion. I suppose what people say sometimes is that time is a great healer, but in uh, certain cases, and this is one of them, uh, when we think of Ted Webb, when we think of Mayo football, when we think of the red and green, when we think of, I'm sure, in Ballyhaunas, uh, there are some places that have never been filled. As a result of this uh, tragedy that happened 33 years ago, I suppose for when you when you play football and when you have those friendships and those loyalties, to happen once uh, is is very difficult. But to think that uh, four years later uh, we had the tragic death and another tragedy of a murder of uh, John Morley. Uh, who i have been speaking to only the morning that he was murdered in a football context as well because at that stage John had moved to Castlery and was playing football with Castlery uh, to think that the county had to bear the cross of that, of another tragedy and another murder and another loss uh, to the people of Mayo and to the football community of Mayo. Dermot Early, former Roscommon footballer
10: born in Mayo. We're standing here on the road between Lochlin and Ballahadrine, in the parish of Lochlin, where I have grown up. And as I look around me, the trees are in good shape, the land is lovely and green, the hedges are in full bloom, and it's a lovely, peaceful place. And when I recall the 7th of July, 1980, I recall a huge tragedy that occurred here when Garda John Morley and Garda Henry Byrne were killed in the line of duty. It's a small area. Everybody knows everybody else. And then the incident was played out on the radio particularly.
2: A gang of armed and masked men raided the Bank of Ireland branch of the town and got away with a sum of money believed to be about £35,000. Within minutes, the alarm was raised, and the Castlery Guardie raced towards the scene to try to intercept the raiders. About midway between the two towns, they confronted the getaway car, but the raiders immediately opened fire on them, fatally wounding the two guards. The raiders then sped away from the scene and are believed to have split into two groups, later hijacking two cars. Byrne died almost instantly on the roadside at Loch Glynn. Detective Morley was rushed to Roscommon County Hospital, but died shortly after admission. The two other the of the Patrol car...
10: And one of the most vivid memories I have is of the explanation given by a former Garda Niefsi of Loughlin who came on the scene and when he looked out, he said he recognised the footballer. And he spoke to him as he lay on the side of the road in the ditch. He was obviously bleeding and John, in reply to a question... Said I'm getting cold, and then Gardanisty said. I whispered an act of contrition in his ear.
2: Mick O'Connell tells Poddan, "Who I'll take this Poddan, just just what he's doing. He takes it now and lobs it just into the Mayo half, coming down 60 yards out. John Morley blocks it, down the PJ Loftus who can't hold onto
1: it. In some ways, Mayo has been in mourning for the last 58 years, but the tragic loss of Ted Webb and John Morley put sport into perspective, and their heroism on and off the pitch, have ensured that they retain a special place in the hearts of all Mayo people. None more so than the county's most iconic figure, Willie Joe Patton.
7: I had the privilege of playing against John Morley in a club game. And the one thing I remember, he played for Ballad and I was playing for Balmuth in a a league, club league game. And I remember standing beside him, and I was about, I think I was about maybe 17 years old, I think at the time, and I am standing beside him, and I just had one look at him. I said, If this guy falls down on top of me, I'm killed. <laughs> he, he had the biggest pair of legs that I've ever seen, any man. But an uh, absolute gentleman and, and uh, you know a great footballer and a great servant of Mayo football. Indeed.
10: One of the particular memories I have of John is I think playing in the league semi final or final against Down in Croke Park. In a game that was tight enough I think down one in the end but one of the things that happened during the course of the game with John playing centre half back I can see him still in the number six jersey but in the course of a tussle for the ball he lost his shorts and instead of stopping and sitting on the pitch or wanting to get a replacement pair of shorts immediately he just carried on wearing a blue swimming trunks The game was more important to him than his modesty. He caught the ball, dummied left and right, moved forward and delivered it onwards down the field. When a break-in play came, the shorts were replaced, replaced, much to the huge delight of the crowd. But it was the make-up of the man that nothing would stop him from doing the right thing on the football field for his beloved Mayo.
2: Coming down 60 yards out from the Curdy goal, two Mayo men going for it. John Morley gets his fist to it. Manages to get it on there to the waiting. Des Griffith, Des with the ball now. Rooted away by John Morley. Eventually on to Joe Langan, 40 yards out from Mayo. Joe John
1: Morley gave Mayo. over half his life to the county jersey. And like many great Mayo now, Kierdie, players before goal, him and since, the they never brought wide. Sam McGuire back to Mayo. Still, Kierdie, two points, Mayo
2: one. Kerry and Shothi Park. this Mayo, Koolin, and, Koolin, and, Koolin, and Koolin.
8: Oh, the green and red mayo, I can see it still. It's soft and craggy boglands, it's tall, majestic hills, where the ocean kisses Ireland and the waves caress its shore. Oh, the beach. Can see St. peak, where one Sunday every summer the pilgrims climb the reek, Where St. Patrick, in its solitude, looked down across Cluain, and with the ringing of his bell called the faithful there to pray.
1: The hurt of Mayo football has been shared by both of the county's men and women, but often it is the women who keep the flame of hope burning. Women like Mary O'Neill, whose son Kevin has been one of the many mighty Mayo footballers.
0: Mayo football is a very connected world. Kevin's father managed Mayo in the 80s and they were the first father and son to win all-star awards. My daughter Orly is getting married shortly to Colin Sheridan, who's a brother of Morris, who starred for Mayo in the 90s. A chance now for Higgins. Brian Higgins ended it and kicked it to the back of the net by Kevin O'Neill. A goal for Mayo and maybe something they badly needed.
4: Absolutely, they're after getting the rubber there.
0: Football means a lot to people in Mayo. Life can be tough at times, as I discovered myself when I had an accident recently. So instead of looking at the negative side of things or complaining about the health services, we look to the Mayo team to the first spirits. here they come again. Send out to to Keir He's inside most of the defenders. Up the left-hand side. A left with a kick from Keir McDonald. It comes up the upper. A chance for Kevin O'Dean. And another goal from Mayo by Kevin O'Dean. The game has taken a dramatic turn.
10: I think it's fairly common knowledge but in the west of Ireland exploits are described as being mighty the day was mighty the game was mighty the player was mighty
1: Despite 58 years of disappointment this summer John O'Mahony and the Corn squad will give it their all in the hope that Mayo can finally drink from the keg of glory
5: I suppose for my own part and after that obviously with Leet- I took up won the Connacht Championship with Leitrim but I suppose the duck was broken from a Connacht perspective in 98 when when, when Galway um, went on to, to, to win the All Ireland and I'll never forget I mean for years I had looked down at the winning dugout in the minutes coming up to the final whistle and to, to, to try and Realise what it would be like and dream to be involved in some way with that. And when that happened for Galway in '98, it, 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 it was everything that I thought it would be, in the sense that you had a, a sea of uh, in Galway's case, maroon and white, and 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 I saw what it meant to a county a province but particularly to a county I suppose in the sense that you had the great three in a row Galway team at the time who had been the heroes uh, of yesteryear and were so supportive and so willing the 98 lads to take the baton off them and I'll never forget uh, under the, the old Hogan stand as we were taken in a wave in up to the presentation and in down under the stand afterwards, seeing the tears in the eyes of the, the late Matty McDonough, and in the Collar, and all of those people, Sean Purcell, who had been there from '56. Uh, tears of, of joy that the baton had been taken, and now Galway had new young heroes. Um, and that is the dream. Of us here in Mayo. We have the heroes of '51, Paddy Prendergast, John Ford, you know, uh, slowly uh, many of those heroes have passed away, passed on, uh, but I would give everything that I've ever done in sport to see their expression if the present generation uh, could bridge the gap and I suppose that's what all of us involved in Mayo football whether it be players management, county board supporters want to see as well I'm convinced that um, the search goes on the search will go on because I've always had a view of life in search of a dream that a winner never quits and a quitter never wins.